All right, testing, testing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're good. Uh, everybody's here. Actually, I need to get this one because I need to figure out what I am supposed to be talking about today. You doing all right today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, man, what's going on? It didn't update. Oh, it did. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, hanging in there, you know, just, just making it shake. Okay, uh, good. That sounds pretty bad, but... <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, what's today? Anything interesting happened today? Wednesday, the third. Um, well, I I started watching Married at First Sight, Married season twelve. Like oh, last yeah, you did week. tell me about that. And so you know, I had like the issue where for whatever reason, my Directv app, like there was one episode that couldn't play. So now it's like legitimately playing on Lifetime. So I got to watch the episode that I couldn't play on um, my iPad and now I've like been catching up and it's just, it's a mess. Like it's hilarious. I might, I might like, have to check it out. It's just funny because it's like, it's, it's just an accelerated relationship. It's because you get married and then you're just married to this stranger and you see them go through all the regular, regular relationship problems that everyone goes through, but they're going through it like, right away in succession like back to back interesting you you said this is on netflix no it's on lifetime, lifetime. but um so like but if you have so my direct tv you can watch it on the direct tv app mm-hmm. and then it's also who else it's on no, no sorry hulu does have it but hulu's like behind so like the last season that hulu has is like season nine and then amazon prime has it but you have to pay for it like i think it's like up to like season nine or ten is free on amazon prime and then you have to pay for like season 11 and the current season which is season 12 and they're also in atlanta so okay it's funny to added motivation yeah to like just see all the little places i know where that is yeah that is pretty cool but wait what did i just do here come on you can't be messing stuff up i know man I'll fix it later. Anyway, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. This is episode 48 of I Don't Have a Name for This Yet podcast, and I am your humble and not so highly favorite host, A1. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I don't feel like I'm always favorite. I'm not always like, but right now I'm here. And are are you going to go by your old name? Jen Walters. Jen Walters. Hey, what's going on? Nothing much. I was excited to do this again, to come back on. Excited when I saw the topic. Good, good. I um I couldn't get the other person to 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 be available today to tackle that one topic about the independent women, but we definitely gonna get to it. We'll table that one, but we might be able to touch on it briefly. Okay. Um, Wait, is that other person? A woman or a man? Oh, it's a woman. I actually want a guy on here too, but I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get him because he. Okay, you remember the first guy I started the show with? Yes, uh, I do. Is him? He he wants to come back and be a part, but he just feels like he doesn't express himself the greatest, so he wants to try to work at it again, which is cool. I don't mind, but he he will. Well, yeah, he like be that one. Practice makes perfect. You got to get on here and keep on expressing yourself and you'll get better at it. Like, he needs to come on. Yeah, hopefully he's listening <laughs> out there uh, <laughs> that he can he can come on again. I told him to come on. But I guess we'll start with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. 
We'll start oh gosh. There. Okay. Like, 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 what was your initial impressions? I think it was, I think it was very moving. It was very upsetting. Very. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, for, I don't even want to say for the most of us. I mean, at least I knew parts of the story. Yeah. I knew parts of, you know, how the United States government treated the Black Panthers and the lies and propaganda that they spread about them but it's like it's one of those things where it's like you when you see it played out mm-hmm. it it just makes you more upset it's like even though you knew that's what was going on it's like seeing it it still makes you so so angry Very like much this so. is what was happening and spoiler alert guys well even though you can't really spoil something that's already like history but just spoiler alert because i'm bad at telling people not telling people spoiler <laughs> alert but uh but yeah you're right like it is very upsetting like it, i think that this was something that we needed to cover as black people you you do identify as black right absolutely nothing okay else. okay <laughs> um but yeah i think i think this is something that that we needed to cover because growing up you always hear the story but you don't you get bits and pieces i didn't know it was like that i didn't know that like i said again spoiler alert that they killed him in the fashion that they killed him and i will always wonder why older people would say to me they will kill you in your sleep like they said that and i didn't realize he was 21 like he's a baby so young and he made like such it's like it's amazing that he was so young made such an impact to the point where the fbi was on him and wanted him killed at that young of an age but i mean it's like but i mean you look at things now they start attacking black children well before 21 at this point you have the school to prison pipeline like they're you're in elementary school and they are plotting against how to get like young black children namely black young black boys caught up in some which way shape or form and getting them into the system so it's like and that's so it's like we see it we see it every single day where they work to get us caught up but we're still surprised that they murdered a 21 year old in cold blood. Cause it's like, I just think that we don't, we can't fathom people being that cruel. Like we know that it happens, but it still doesn't process fully in our minds that people are really like this. Yeah, people, people, and they make you feel away like, like my grandma would just call them evil people back in the day because in, in, in its essence, that's what it is. Like you send this man to jail for months, maybe a year, or well, maybe probably some months. I think he had a kid. But over seventy six dollars of stolen ice cream, alleged stolen ice cream, like right. come for for months, like exactly. that's crazy. Like just just some of the stuff that I saw in there that I learned, like that he had to go through, was just kind of just absurd. Like it was very shocking. It made me cry at the end when I just realized he was twenty one. They were shooting in that house with his unborn baby, his wife, his friends, family, whoever they may have been to him, his loved ones was in the house. And they just came in there and shot up that place like it was a riot. Like a, a yes. something. Like that was crazy. It's and then it's like, you know, there are some things that probably happened, you know, it was creative license to make it seem more dramatic but like when he held the gun to her stomach and i'm just like yeah did this really happen and it's like whether or not it did or did not happen even if it didn't happen in that instance we as black people know that that has happened to another black woman somewhere minding her business and so it's it it doesn't even have to be that oh well that's exactly how it happened 
we know that that's something that we face as black people regardless. And so it's just like, it's mind boggling. It, it it really is, and I think the saddest part of it is just that one of his it, it happened. It's one of it's always one of your own that brings you down. The people closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most. Yes, but enough, like I feel like historically, this is this is the tactic that white people go through. It's always about divide and conquer for them. It's always about get an incel and make them like use them because at the end of the day like he was he was he was letting him come to his house and paying for steak and all this other stuff but at the end of the day when he didn't want to cooperate he was very quick to turn back around and be like oh i'll send you back to jail you were impersonating an officer and it's just like that's what that's what they do to to control like divide and conquer has been their model like for forever and they continue to evolve it as time goes on to keep people separated and to do things to attack organizations from the inside and to make them crumble and then to make black people point at one another and be like well you're the enemy well you're the enemy and it's like yes what he did was wrong like absolutely but again he was being he was being threatened with jail time as well yep and so it's like he he had cause and whether or not the cause made it, you know, the right thing to do, whatever, whatever. It was just like the overarching evil is white people in this. And it's that's what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, it is. And, I, and I'm going to have to shoot him a little bit of bail. And not only because like he I think his name was like Keith Stanfield. Um, yes. I like him just just the roles I've seen him in. And just he just has a likable face. I think it's his eyes. But I felt bad that he had to play that role. But I felt bad for the guy in real life, Bill O'Neill or William O'Neill, because he didn't necessarily he didn't really want to do it. He was trying to save his own neck. And like he and he didn't even know what he was getting into. Like these like these motherfuckers got a rocket launcher. Like he didn't believe what was going on. But it turned out to be, you know, because the guy was trying to tell me, oh, they're just like the Klan or just like the KKK, they're terrorists and things like that. But he found out that they weren't. I think he got a little too in too deep and he actually enjoyed being a part of because of what they were doing. But I don't think he wanted it to end the way that it ended. And I think it clearly showed by the way his life ended that he did. So I'm going to shoot him a lot of bail. I mean, a little bit of bail. But I always tell people, you don't know what you will do until you're in that situation. Like, you don't know Absolutely. what you would do if it was your life on the line, your kids, your family, your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters, you're trying to get home to, or somebody hanging some shit over your head like that. Like, we can all sit here and say in hindsight what we would have done, but but what but what would you really have done? Like, would you? Would you have stood tall or would you have done what he did? Right. And to be honest, and then, like, go ahead. Even reading, like, how Bill O'Neill ended his life, like, well, one, his wife says that it wasn't suicide, what have you, but I didn't realize that it was after his, it was literally the evening his interview aired. And I mean, at the end of the day, we'll never know if it was because of guilt and all of that. But I mean, it really does seem like it was weighing heavy on him for your interview, for what you did to really come out and be aired on national television. And then you take, and then allegedly you take your life that night it really does seem like it was a huge burden of guilt that he had on himself 
And um, I mean, we'll never know, but it really does seem to point to that, that it really did affect him. But like you said, he was trying to save himself. And it's a tough, it's a tough place to be in. I can't imagine. Like, yeah. I really can't. It's like, what would you do to, to kind of keep everybody? Because in, in some places he was like, I don't like I said. I don't think he really wanted that to go down that way. But I knew he felt like he had a job to do, and he was he was like me or you. But you can tell that I think he actually cared about uh, uh, Fred Hampton. You can tell that he actually cared, but because he was like, "You trying to kill him? Like I ain't signed up for that. Maybe some jail time, but yeah, not not killing him, man. I think I think that's what really got him. What really got him. So I'm, I'm gonna shoot him a little bit of bail just because you don't know what you would do if you was in those shoes, but. I, what, one thing I was telling um, somebody near and dear to me is that um, that this is what happens to all of our black leaders. Like every last one of them during that time and even before that, they were killed in a, you know, a crazy way. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Megan Evers, Fred Hampton. They got Huey in jail, uh, Asada Shakur on the run. They probably would have killed her. Um, you know, Absolutely. you just you just never really know. Like even Tupac, they was looking at Tupac away for a minute because he grew up as a his. I think his mom was a Panther. I think so. So he he has that, and like growing up, I I knew a couple of Panthers. I didn't know what they did because I was young. But that's what that I would always say. They would kill you in your sleep. Don't you forget that boy. They would kill you in your sleep. You know, they would always say that. But just growing up, like especially I grew up in the nineties. Like I was born in the late eighties, but I grew up in the nineties. So like just just the the nineties type of way, like boys in the hood, like those things that was going on. Like it just kind of made for a unique melting pot of information and black pride and black power going on. So you hear these stories, but you didn't know they were to the magnitude of what they are. But they will definitely kill your leaders. Like I think that's why a lot of people was afraid for Barack to be president. They thought he was gonna get killed and shit. Me too. You kept Martin, you kept Martin Luther King on the balcony exactly. of a hotel. You had and people that's the thing. Go ahead. They kill all of them. It doesn't matter if you're peaceful or if you're nonviolent or if you're violent. They will kill all of them. So that's why it's like the respectable Negro politics. I'm just like, they, they, they will still kill you. Like, that is the end result. They do not want to see Black people unite and rise above and get that equity that we deserve in the country that we built on our backs. And so they'll they'll kill you regardless. Like, yeah. they really don't care. And that's my thing. We we built this country from the ground up. Everything that's here, we don't get credit for. And anytime we mobilize and try to do something good, like I was telling somebody that was near and dear to me, is that the civil rights movements, all these black things, they weren't just for black people. They were for everybody. If we get rights and liberties, so does everybody else. And when you think about it now, all the work that took place during the civil rights movement, every other race, every other person, even white people, poor whites, got to benefit from. Mm -hmm. Like free lunch. The, when you think about it, what now we got like free clinics and minute clinics? Who who was doing that? The Panthers. Exactly. You don't you don't see that like welfare, food stamps, all of these ABC programs came from somebody a, a great black mind. Like even when you and think about the race to space, like all those women who was working for NASA that didn't get the credit. But now you got to make a yeah. movie. Uh, what is it? Uh, what what's that movie? Hidden figures. Hidden figures. To, to, to portray that because they don't tell you that all great things come from white people and that's kind of what you get taught growing up absolutely and like that's like I feel like that's another means of control for them so again 
the free lunch program that the Panthers started because they realized that kids do better in school when they're fed. Like they yep. focus better and all this other stuff. They shut it down. The Panthers are terrorists, blah, blah, blah. But then the United States government and school system adopts free breakfast and free lunch into their curriculum. And it's like, oh my gosh, look at the government, Uncle Sam coming to save us. I'm like, no, they're not. But that's what they do to make people continue to want to support the government because they're thinking that the government is coming up with all these great ideas and all these handouts to help. And I'm like, no, they kill the people who came up with the ideas. They take them as their own and then they give it back to you. And I mean, that's again, that's the cycle of what white people do. They kill people and then they take credit. Like it's just, it's literally, it's just, it's like it's hardwired into them. And it's really scary. It is. And we can go deep 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 we can go real deep with that but i'm not gonna go down the religion route to that because you are i'm pretty sure you know the same thing i know about that but hitler says if you tell a lie long enough it eventually becomes the truth and then people believe it and that's kind of what's going on so people did grow up thinking that the black panthers were terror because that's what they were pushing the war on drugs the war on terror like all these wars are about just bullshit like, how are you going to have a war right. on drugs and then you're bringing the drugs into the country? You're manufacturing the drugs and selling them. J.P. Morgan chased the bank. They were cocaine yes. cowboys. Like, what What do you mean? And now they got one of the biggest banks in America. Exactly. But Like, you couldn't tell me that there are loads of black people who are going across, the, across seas and smuggling drugs into... The United States like absolutely not that's not what's happening you all are smuggling it into the United States and then you all are pumping it into black communities and then you all are making different kinds of drugs to differentiate between oh we have to have a war on crack but cocaine was fine it's the same drug because they was using uh, uh, cocaine it was okay for them to use cocaine but when you use crack it's different it's criminalized exactly like I don't know why they do that, but and you know all the places like where they get the drugs from, like Central America, South America, like they were funding wars over there. Like it's just, it's just like what are you fighting for? They were using that money to fund a war in Iraq, and we've been fighting an Iraq war or a Middle Eastern war since since the nineties. Yeah, and it's all about oil and land. That's all it's about, and they just they just they they throwing a rocket high in their hand over here, and then coming in being the good guys. And, I, and it's something that I always want to stress to people is that. Like, it's easy to say that somebody's a good or a bad guy, but when you start, it, it, it all depends on which angle are you looking at, looking at it from, because we, like, growing up in 2001 after 9-11, we thought that Middle Eastern people were terrorists, but guess what? They think we're terrorists, too. You know why? Because exactly. we're bombing unarmed villages and families for oil and land. And throwing a rocking heart. So I understand why they feel the way they feel. Does it make it right? No. But it all depends on what angle you're looking from. Like to yeah, we it's easy for us as Americans to sit up here and say that we're good guys, we're helping the world, but but to those people that we we haven't been so favorable to, like what do they say about us when they get a bomb that has made in America on there? So of course you just killed their family. What do you think yes. they're gonna feel? Exactly. So it, it it it's just crazy, but like they they but my thing is no one ever tried to destroy the KKK, no one ever tried to destroy the FBI. Like they plotted on 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 so many like minorities and just 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 destroyed so many homes and communities by by whatever they thought they was trying to do. And like there was, you know, they always have the little 
to take Jay Edgar's Hoover Hoover's name off of the building. And someone said, someone tweeted just like very eloquently the other day that, you know, acts like this with no actual recourse behind it. Like these are just performative actions. If you're not really going to release all of the people who are in jail on BS drug charges, who cares if you take that man's name off the building? Like, what about his legacy? What about all the policies that he put into place and all the people he put in jail? Like, what about those people? Like, that's that's what real justice is, not taking his name off the building. Like, if you're not going to do, if you're not going to fix the problem full circle, you can keep your little, you can keep your little performative actions. Like, you can do it, but people shouldn't applaud it. Like, we shouldn't be hand clapping them taking the name off when there are people sitting in jail for stupid drug charges, nonviolent, nonviolent drug charges. And they're in there for life. Yep. For what? Cannot get out for something stupid, wrong place, wrong time. Exactly. And one, one thing I do would like to see, uh, is that they start changing the history books in school to where these things reflect. And they start telling how these people don't glorify it. Tell them the truth. Don't let them find out how we found out the hard way because guess what? That's what was going on. And like you heard it in the music, you heard it in jazz, you heard it in funk, you heard it in soul, you heard it in rock, and you hear it still today in hip hop. Like, but people think that was bad music because you know why? Because they were telling the truth. That was our news. So people don't understand why black people gravitate to rap or R&B or, or jazz because that's how we got information. Yes. But they need to go and ahead and correct bad. those history books. Absolutely. But I feel like they continuously, like, try to... Did you see the thing with the the slave yoga? Uh-uh. At some... <laughs> <laughs> it was like... There's a, there's a, um, there's a, there's a yoga pose called the boat. And so like, they're talking about, and then African people came on boats. And so then they have a white person doing the boat yoga pose, like next to it. And they're like, they came and I was like, you all do these things. You all try and water down what slavery was because you all know that it was terrible. And it's like, can you all just please own up to it and tell it like it was? And it's like, that's why, that's another reason, like when people get into, like me, having a history degree, like for me, I just, I have to fact check everything. So I had like a million tabs open as I was watching Judith and the Black Messiah with like, oh, is that true? Ooh, who is this person? I was literally looking up like every single name that they said. And at one point when you asked me like how much more I had left, and then then when I finished, I probably told you I had like 40 minutes left, but I had finished like an hour and a half later. I was like, he's probably going to think like, what is wrong with you? Why does it take you so long to watch this movie? Because it's like I keep on stopping and rewinding. But it's like, that's why some people will get on these movies for not being like 100% historically accurate. And I'm just like, at least it's giving us some type of outlet. And hopefully people will be curious enough to look up the facts and to get into it on their own but at least it's giving us a doorway it's giving us a lot more of the truth than these textbooks are giving us than these curriculums are giving us so let's applaud them for that and let's get on these school districts and on these textbook makers and all of this to to really do like this is who we should be getting upset at don't get upset at hollywood because hollywood they're not supposed to be teaching us history it's entertainment can they absolutely 
But I mean, Judas and the Black Messiah, it's not even billed as a documentary. So it's not even supposed to be 100% factual. And so it's taking real life events and it has its creative license to it. That's fine. But I mean, when your kid goes in school and they're trying to lessen the blow of slavery by teaching it with yoga, that's what we, sh- we really should be getting angry about. That's what we should be mobilizing behind as a people, not if a Hollywood movie is 100% accurate yeah and they don't they don't show you they don't show you all the horrors that these people committed like they hide the pictures but um like i've seen pictures where there's like slave owners using black children as like stepping stools or like feet rests yes like i've seen those like this isn't the first time i've seen something like this or they don't show you how like their bodies are scarred up and stuff like that on uh you know, like, like on just the pictures and different things like that, like how they got them. Like they don't show you those things. And exactly. I'm, I'm glad we have a place like Twitter to kind of keep a record of these things and keep them flowing around because they don't show you that. But then they just let people be, you know, just, you know, just get praised for the wrong things. And I don't like stuff like that. And I don't want to like harp down on slavery so much like I do, but, you know, but do we have to start, changing the history books and re-educating people the right way like they haven't when last time they updated history books i couldn't even tell you like you well you i don't have any kids but you have like your nephews and whatnot so i feel like you would know more than me like what is i don't think i don't know (laughs) if they even teach them history in school like that but i've heard from like some of my minority friends that they didn't learn about black history in school and they live in georgia and they live in a metro area but they didn't what how is that even possible because they lived in a county called Gwinnett or possibly Cobb or Henry or uh, some place mm. like that but Fulton County you know you know Fulton County they'll probably Fulton DeKalb Clay and stuff like that they'll probably like teach it but now yeah. they're probably teaching it but I, I can I can honestly believe them that they probably did not get taught those things because in California and- they don't get taught it I remember your your friend who was a guest earlier. She kept on saying, like, she didn't learn any of this. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah, and when she moved here, she was just, like, in a, in a culture shock. Like, but granted, I will say she isn't from a major city in California. It's almost oh, yeah. like going to... <laughs> oh, it was because you was laughing because I was picking at her about that? Yes. Uh, yeah, it's not far from San Francisco, but it's, like, probably going to... From San Francisco, it's probably like from here to Savannah, maybe. Oh, maybe a little okay. Less. Or like going to Augusta, someplace like that. It's not big at all. It's not like a big major city. But okay. A lot of people don't get taught these things, but I, I would like to see more things like this come out. Like me personally, I always want to know more about Malcolm X. Like I don't know if I don't know if you ever I don't know if I ever told you or I don't know if I ever said on this podcast, but I thought Malcolm X was my dad when I was younger, because glasses haircut same same build but that's that's just because i was younger like elementary school but i always wanted to know more about him and then they just kind of teach you that he was just like crazy like was he i don't want to say aggressive was he more he let's just say he wasn't as peaceful as malcolm i mean martin and And i think we needed i think we needed both of them we needed a peaceful approach and we need somebody who was really gonna punch you in your shit when it came time to it that's what we needed but yes they they killed all our greats, man. They really did, and they're still. And it's like, go, go ahead. ahead, and it's still. 
Oh, they're, they're still doing this stuff to, today. Like, they found a new way to do it. Like, they found a new way to just lock them all up on bullshit charges, and then we'll just take the power away from them. That's why I don't think they like the Black Lives Matter movement, even though it's not... It's not necessarily like there are some people in there that do some crazy things from what I'm seeing and hearing, but that's hearsay. But you know, I think they're they're definitely trying to take away our power while we're young. Absolutely, and I mean, like, I think every you're never going to be able to control every single person in a movement. And one, it's funny when you deal with the police cops and blue lives matter it's always one bad apple doesn't spoil the bunch but if it's black lives matter and if one person at a black lives matter is rowdy or whatever or what have you it's the whole movement and again yeah. it's just they frame it how they want to frame it because they're it's, the news exactly it's and it's they're the news it's they're it's who they are like when you know when people make all the jokes that oh well you know where were all the cops um, when they stormed the Capitol, it's like yeah. they were there. They just wore a uniform. They that is that. Like the uniform. cops, yeah. <laughs> the cops are the KKK. The cops are like the cops are white supremacists. Like what aren't we understanding here? But it's for oh, one bad apple doesn't spoil the bunch, and this isn't this doesn't this isn't what white America is. But I'm just like, but when it comes to Black America, if there's ever anyone who does something that you all don't like or does it oh well it's all black people i'm like nope nope that's not how it works but then if we try and do it to you it's just a big problem it just makes no sense but i mean like you saying that you saying like when you were younger and you wanted to know more about malcolm x it's like and that's like the curiosity that i hope that people have and that people instill in their children so at least if we can get them in the textbooks and especially you know in 2021 we have the internet there's information is so much easier to access than it was when we were kids so if even if we can just get these people into the textbooks and just spark their curiosity a little and then they do their own research that's still it's still better but i mean again if they're just like totally phasing it out people aren't learning it at all then yeah, who? How are these people gonna? How are children even gonna see these people to even be curious enough to want to do their own research? And yeah. so I do think I feel like they are trying to move to just erasing it all together. So then they don't have to worry about them getting triggered to go find out these things on their own. Yeah. And then that, and then it becomes you have to teach those things in your home to your children. Like you have to if the school doesn't want to do it, like try and fight for it. But if they don't do it, you still have to tell your kids like, Hey, these were our leaders. This is what they did. Like if you hear about them in school, don't always listen to it. And like, have your welcome your kids to challenge what they teach in school as well, because it's not always right. It's not. I got to show plenty of days for that. I was like, it was like, Oh, uh, X, Y, and Z. And I was, there was like, uh, it was something that it was, and I was like, "Oh, that's not true. They invented this." No, you can't have those outbursts. Like, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. But like, Wait, you are you can't gonna have to edit me. your last name out? Oh man, you're right. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that's at thirty. I'm gonna go like 31, 30, 35. I'm gonna make a note here. Thirty-one. Uh, gotta make a mental note. 
think it's this one. I'm gonna go thirty one thirty. We'll just go there. We'll know to come back. But yeah, but that's what they would say. They would say stuff like that, and you know, you really couldn't do that because they're adults, and it's like, how dare you challenge an adult? And that's kind of how they make you feel a little bit. Absolutely. Which I also I think is dumb. Like going back now. It's just, it's dumb. It was like one of the first things that I learned in college. It was a class that we all had to take. Um, it was two part. We had to take part one. We had to take the 101 first semester, the 102 second semester. And um, it was about the banking system in in school curriculum. The Pedagogy of the Oppressed is the book. And it's just like, you know, this is what children are taught and you don't question it you don't challenge it and again that is part of how they keep the social order and it's like that's not it's not knowledge it's the same way how you were talking about what's it uh the testing uh, the standardized uh, testing yes and it's just like you know you said like for like a month you just got taught the test and that was the end of it and it's like you don't really get taught the principles you don't get taught like the actual how to actually do or figure out these problems or think critically, you're just taught the answers. And that's what the banking system is. Like we tell you this is right and that's the end of it. And it's like, there's no discussion. I'm just like, but that's not real knowledge. That's not real critical thought. That's not That's not how anything evolves. Like if we all just sat here and was like, oh, the earth was flat and no one challenged that, we'd be here in 2021, like the earth is flat and it's not. And so it's like, you have to, challenge and you have to be willing to do that but people are afraid to let young children do that especially young black children do that because they might come out with the actual truth and that scares a lot of people yeah i think they don't want us to know the truth from about two or three thousand years ago (laughs) that's what i think it is they definitely don't want us to know oh absolutely not that's why i don't know what there's always just random stuff on Twitter. And it was like a picture of the evolution of people from, from um, Africa. And it was like, you know, they have them starting out as pharaohs and kings and it's a white kid. And then when he becomes a slave, suddenly he's black. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, again, that's one of my biggest, like depicting Egyptians as white or all fair skin. I'm just like, you all have to be kidding me. Yeah. Like, please cut it out. They don't even look like that today. Like, that's crazy. Absolutely. And it's like, what, like, people will say things like, oh, well, the sun, and blah. nope, it's always, no, it's always been hot there. Like, the sun has, they've always been of darker skin tone. So, please, let's just get over it and admit that Black people are the founders of modern civilization and Europeans were peeing in the street before (laughs) black people introduced them to taking baths every day and indoor plumbing yep yep (laughs) that's kind of crazy but uh before we pivot someplace i do want to end with one question do you think we can see something like i know we got black lives matter but do you think we could see something like the panthers like that, an organization like that again. And I don't think they're completely gone. I think they're just kind of underground. But do you think we'll ever see something like that again? It's, oh, it's hard to say. Like, I think that we, like, with modern technology, the way that it is so much easier to connect with one another and mobilize, 
yes, I do like in that regard, it's like, why can we not band together? But then it's like we've become like such a we're so ingrained in capitalism and so ingrained in worrying about yourself and and it's like it's just a it's a rat race all the time. And it's like I don't think, you know, the Panthers just having this very communal way of looking at things. I I'm afraid that too many people will not support that. I think so many people are for themselves now where it's it's a toss up. I can't really say. I would love for us to be able to move towards that. And I'd love for us to be able to move towards that a little more quietly because of course when white people get wind of it, they automatically come and shut it down. Mm-hmm. Um so it's something I would love. I do think that we have I think that we have the tools to do it. It's the question of the will of the people. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I would like to see it happen again. And, you know, just, just I think we need to bring back neighbors again. Like, we don't know our neighbors. I think we need to bring back communities, and I think it starts there. I would like to see some of those things happen. Absolutely. That would be so nice. Like, even when um, all of corona happened and it was like I wasn't doing anything, I was furloughed from work, and it's just like, you know, I know that I have old coworkers who are like friends now and they're at home. I have two in particular and they both have two boys. And I'm just like, I know that you all are probably going crazy <laughs> with your sons being virtually taught at home. And I was like, honestly, I would have loved to be able to babysit them. But of course, Corona, you, you know, you were supposed you're supposed to stay in your bubble so it was like I couldn't do that but I mean if it was under any other circumstance and it was just like if you all just need someone to watch your kids so you can relax or you can work what have you like I definitely would have done it and I just don't think that people have that sense anymore and it's sad it is it is, it is very sad but I think I think that was a good uh, a good segment on Judas and the Black Messiah. If you haven't checked it out, it is on HBO Max and HBO. You need to send me a check for advertising. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's see, let's see where we're gonna go. Um, is there uh, is there a need to have uh, wait? Oh, is privacy needed to have a successful relationship? Is there a difference between secrecy and privacy in a relationship? So do you mean privacy from your partner or do you need privacy from like the outside world? From the outside world, never from your partner. Okay. Um, helpful. I really think it is. I, I think it helps. Um, I actually had someone ask me the other day, like he says that I really don't post pictures on social media anymore. And I was like, yeah, because people are strange nowadays. (laughs) Like even just me single by myself, I don't want to post a lot of things on social media, things that deal with my personal life or just like, again, pictures of myself. It's just like, people are really strange. And so I can definitely see the benefit of it for a relationship to keep stuff like that private. Um, it does again it seems it seems to turn into secrecy where if you have a partner who they were the opposite they always posted their significant other before and now suddenly they're with you and they're not doing it it's like well why the shift like me 
I'm consistent. I was like, you can go on any of my social. You've never seen me post anyone who I was dealing with on any of my social media ever, mm -hmm. period. So it's like, I don't think a guy can come to me with that because it's like, well, when have I done it before? But if I've seen a guy do that all the time and now suddenly he's with me and that was the issue that I had with my ex and I was just like, so why are you not posting me? Like, what's the problem? <laughs> um. So yeah, it was, it, I do think that it can be helpful because as soon as people are going to try your relationship either way, they're going to try you either way you slice it. Like, I feel like it's inevitable, but then it's like, if you have your relationship out there and then people are still trying you, I'm going to look at it. Like if me, if me and my fabled significant other, if I'm all over his Instagram but there's still some girl who is talking crazy to him. I'll be like, wait a minute. She knows that you're in a relationship. So why is she so comfortable to feel like she can still talk to you like this? So now I'm just like, mm -mm, that's, that's a little suspect. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. Something doesn't sit right with me. So I feel like it helps, but there's still a, there's still a, there's still something that you just have to work with within you have to work on within your relationship altogether. Like it can't just, it's, it's hard. It's really, it's, it's hard to call, but I think it helps. I, I, I agree. I think you, I think, I think you need like a fine line, but I'm, I'm all for keeping the inner workings of my relationship from the rest of the world. Like all I want you to see is, not necessarily like the good times, but what what I want to see if you see you know, if we're if we're not on good terms at the moment, like I'm not necessarily gonna post that we're not on good terms, but I I you know I would, I would of course want you to see the happy times the most, but I want you to see some of the most like let's say we have a deaf in the family, like I might post that, I might not. It just depends on what it is, but I definitely think you need a little bit of privacy because when you don't, people are always gonna be oh it's almost like people don't want to see you be happy. And if you're, they don't. yeah, when if they see you're always happy, they're not gonna want to hear, oh, that X Y Z bought me flowers because they man ain't got no flowers, or they don't have a man or a significant other to get them flowers, or my man or my my girl does this for me, or we went and did this, but they're not doing it. So sometimes people can be a little jealous, and they're not always gonna want to hear. It. But when, but when you have something negative to say, or that's not the most flattering about your significant other or your relationship or your life, period people tend to always have a listening ear they be like oh man it's, it's almost like people want to see how, how fucked up your life is compared to theirs and, and i think you should have a little bit of privacy from the world i ain't gonna say a little bit a lot but i think that's how you protect your relationship now i do think there is a difference between secrecy and privacy i think privacy is when you don't share everything you're not forthcoming with the information but secrecy is when you just completely hide things like Oh like yeah, Barry. It's a it's a it's a difference. They're similar in meaning, but there's a difference in the way they're 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 carried out. Like private is like showing that I have a girlfriend, but I'm never posting her picture, her actual face. You may see her hand. You may see us out on vacation. Secrecy is just saying, hey, I don't have a girlfriend. I'm hiding. I'm not posting you ever. Don't nobody know. My family don't know. You don't know. My friends don't know. Instagram, whatever. There's a big difference in that. Yeah, and I don't even know if I want, like, even if you don't, like, 
post a hand or, you know, just post things to, to allude to, Hey, I have a girlfriend, but you know, I'm not going to let you know who she is. I don't even think that you need that. I feel if someone asks you, do you have a girlfriend and you say no, and you do, it's like, okay, what are you doing? Like that, that, that is outright secrecy. I, so I think that I can even, I'm not even looking for like these little, Oh, she's here, but you're not going to know who she is. Like, I don't even think that's even to me. I feel like I can do without that. But if someone asks you, if you're in a relationship and it's anything other than yes, it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's a secret. That's suspicious. That's weird. And that's a dub for me. Like, nah, we're, there's no. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been in a position where people have asked me that and because they were trying to ask me a specific person and we really were trying to keep it low, it was like a no. That way they leave you alone. But I wouldn't deny that to like my friends and my family. But like just people just, especially people you work with, like people you work with are very nosy and they just, I don't know, people, I don't know, people, I don't know, people, people you work with just weird. So <laughs> like it's... It's 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 different for me, in in that aspect. Like I, I'm not so forthcoming with people I associate with because I don't know where your heart lies. I don't know if you're really for me. Like I only have a few people that I know that are for me, thick and thin. Whether I'm right or wrong, they'll say, "Oh dang, I done did it again." Forty five twenty. I'm gonna do that one. <laughs> I'm fucking up today. But let's see, forty five twenty. But yeah, I've had friends that say, "Hey, you was wrong on this, or you need to do this better, or try to be considerate of this." Like just as a person or like I would like for my X, Y, and Z to do this for me. Like these are things I'm learning along the way from men and from women. And I think that's why I'm able to, even though some of the people who may be listening that that do know a little bit more about me, they may, you know, they may agree or may not agree, but I'm able to treat my significant other a certain way and like just go above and beyond for them because I've learned these things from other people's fears. They say, they say smart people learn from their own mistakes, but wise people learn from the mistakes of others. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a strong believer in that. So if I see that XYZ made this mistake, I can kind of learn how to maneuver and not make that same mistake hopefully like i'm not perfect i do make mistakes and i think everybody makes mistakes and none of us are perfect but like but if some things you can try to prevent like you talking about people that you work with are just like different i agree and i feel like there was i feel this is something that i was never able just to like put my finger on before because i was always someone who i don't want to date anybody where i work that's just it just seems too cumbersome. It seems to open the door to too much nonsense. And I didn't realize that a part of it was that I don't trust people where I work. And I messed around and once like one time I was knowingly like dating someone where I worked. And it wasn't like no one found out and it didn't work out because he was just like he got on my nerves and how and the things that he did and didn't do and then also he had a child and I can't that's not what I'm cut out for but then there was another guy who I didn't it was never my intention to date him to have any type of romantic anything with him that's not how I saw him and it was, we had, um, 
this is back when I was working on property at a hotel and we had a chef who we all loved and he left our hotel and he became the head chef at another hotel, another hotel. And he passed away. Mm-hmm. And we went like, we all went to, or as many of us as we could, because again, it's a hotel, it's 24 seven. So unfortunately we can't just shut the thing down. So as many of us who could come to the funeral went and he went up there. So the guy was a line cook. Mm-hmm. And so he went up and he gave like a reflection about the chef and he brought his wife up there and, you know, he introduced, he was like, it's my wife. And, you know, chef helped me when I was, you know, through relationship problems, said it, said it, said it, whatever. And to be honest, I had never even noticed, I don't I had noticed the guy, like I would go into the kitchen and I had noticed him on the line cooking, but I didn't realize that he had been there that long. Like I thought that he came after the executive chef had already left and went to another hotel. So how does he even, I was confused, but how does he even know chef? Like I really had no idea that he worked at the hotel that long. And so it was like a couple days after he came up to me and we were just talking and Also, like, our HR person had, like, randomly just, like, left. Like, one day she just wasn't at work. And our GM was like, she doesn't work here anymore. To this day, I don't know what happened Mm. to her. And he was just, like, he used to talk to her. And, you know, one day he just went to her office and broke down. And he just, like, when he was talking to me, he was getting, like, a little emotional. And we exchanged numbers because I just thought that he was looking for, like, comfort you know i didn't think of it i didn't think of it as being anything romantic i was like clearly he lost someone who was close to him and then apparently the person who he used to talk to in the building is no longer here so i was like you know whatever gave him my number we spoke a little and then one day like i don't even know what i said oh i had gone to lunch with a former co-worker um went to lunch up the street Someplace in, um, I went to the Taco Mac over there in Lindbergh. Well, not the Taco Mac. There's a Thai place over there. But in that in that Lindbergh area, I went to lunch, went back to my hotel, and he had been texting me. He was like, where are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I went to lunch. I'm coming back. He was like, oh, well, I'm here. And I'm like, weren't you off? Why was this man outside my office with roses? Wow. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> We work together. We're at work. You have a wife. Like, what is going on? Like, I was so mortified and confused as to what transpired. And then it was like, sure enough, as soon as I walk in my office, here goes my coworkers. Because it was three of us who shared an office together. And so here goes, oh, what What did he, who brought you those? I saw him um, waiting outside with those roses. Those are for you. And it just became like, the talk of the hotel and I just I did not want that type of attention on me like I come to work to do a job not to not to be talked about not to be in a relationship and it was like the most uncomfortable thing in the world and it was like the things that were being said it was just like I don't trust it was just like how quickly things spread and I'm just like, this is why I don't trust people I work with because they don't they don't really know you, even though they spend so much time with you. 
they don't really know you and they don't mm -hmm. really care about you. They don't. And so the way that this stuff like spread like wildfire and how everything was so wrong. Like, again, I never had any romantic intentions with this guy. And it's just like the fact that people were looking at me like this. I'm like, I'm really here to get my check and to do my work. Like, no matter what I'm doing, I take pride in what I do. And that's what I want to be known for. Not some random office relationship. And oh, now I think about it, I had another guy who tried to talk to me. And when I turned him down, he was, he was bad mouthing me, talking about like, I'm stuck up and I'm this and I'm that. And I was like, I don't come to work to date anybody. And the fact that you're saying these things about me and that other people are believing it, like, it's, I really do not trust people at my job. And that is why, yeah. yeah oh my God. People at your job will, you, you just can't trust everybody at your job. Like, I don't trust a lot of people, period. But people that I work with, like, like where I work there's a lot of women and people just like to gossip. I've heard people gossip about people that they claim are their best friends and then turn around and smile in their face. Like it's just kind of crazy to me. So I was like, I would never want to tell anybody any of my personal business so they could use it against me. And I've seen this shit happen. Like being the only guy or one of the only few guys there, I've seen how, you know, people just kind of clamor to, oh, this person, we, we've been dying to know, we've been dying to know. And it just kind of drives you nuts that people, that your life is more entertaining than, um, than, 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 than their own lives. Like, your life is literally their entertainment. And I believe it. But that's the thing, because it's not, half the time, it's still not your life that's entertaining, because it's still lies that they're telling. And I'm just like, why is this entertaining to you? Like, the other guy... He was, so my company got on this big, um, they were cracking down on um, undocumented immigrants. And really? that's big, yeah, It's and it's big in the hospitality industry, of course. Okay, And okay. so they, um, they now had to, we had a new system called work records. And so anyone who worked had to, go through work records and the work through the workaround for that for a long time was for housekeeping to use temp agencies because the work records um, stipulation did not, it didn't apply to temp workers. So then they just use a temp agency. They don't care where these, you know, if they're documented or undocumented, but then finally they made the changeover to where the work records stipulation had to go through the temp agencies as well. So at one point we got a large influx of black housekeeping and mm -hmm. it was this guy, he was a houseman. So like housemen go around and they like, they clean like public areas and they like help out. Like if you have a call, if somebody needs something, if someone wants a microwave sent to their room or something, housemen will do stuff like that. And he would empty the trash in the executive offices. So he would come into the office and he would always talk to me. And I'm a nice person. Like, I'm going to talk back. And he started asking me out. And I was just like, I'm here to work. Like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm flattered. But no, thank you. And he wouldn't stop. Like, I got promoted. My office moved into another building. Still would ask me out. And I'd still always just be very polite and 
I'm sorry, I'm not interested. That's not what I'm here for. And and it's like because and that's for a number of reasons, my politeness. Because one, I realize that it takes a lot to ask someone out, to put yourself out there and to be vulnerable. And I sure don't do it because my scary behind does not like rejection. Oh man. So I'm not, so I'm like, I understand. And then the pressure that men have to do it, like, you know, that's just how patriarchy is. The man's supposed to ask the woman out. Like, that's what we're used to. So it's like, I understand. So that's one reason why I try to be nice. Another reason is some of these men be crazy and you can still be nice and they still chop you up. They still shoot you. They still fight you. They still yell at you and call you everything but a child of God. So I'm like, let, but still you hopefully you fare a better chance of not being yelled and cursed at and assaulted if you're nice. And then also I'm still at work. Like I still have to work with this person, even though he's being unprofessional. And I mean, at this point he is harassing me and I could have, I had every right to go to HR at this point, but I didn't. And I'm still just like, I'm still, I'm still at work. I'm trying to be professional because at the end of the day, if I was to turn around and to curse him out, they'd probably still look at me like, well, why'd you curse him out? That was I got him cut and your I'm name like, out. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> be like, well, why did you curse him out? That's wrong. Blah blah. And I was like, well, are you all gonna ask him what he did to make me curse him out? Like, come on now. So, but then someone else came to me a while later and was like, well, you know, he's been telling everyone that you're stuck up and you're a B word. I I'm giving up cursing for a bit. So excuse me for, mm-hmm. for if I stumble sometimes because I'm trying not to curse, this but you're a B word and you're all this other stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait, excuse me. No, 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 no. I'm not going to sit here and you're harassing me and I'm being very gracious to you. And you're going to talk about me behind my back and to say terrible things when you don't understand the meaning of the word no. And again, people around the hotel were believing in. And I'm like, you all know me. Like, I worked there longer than he did. I was like, you all know me. You all know that I'm not a mean person. You all know I'm not a malicious person. You all know if I ever get stern or assertive with anyone, I have good cause. So why are you all sitting here and taking what this man has to say at face value but and you all are running around and telling every other person but it took a whole bunch of other people in the hotel and then one person finally came to me to let me know what was going on i'm just like yeah you really can't trust people you work with and they do not have your best interest at heart and they do they do really care about the lies more than doing their actual work and about the truth and over the truth and it's a mess yeah, no one cares about the truth because the lies are more entertaining. Watch Love and Hip Hop for that. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, Love and Hip Hop. That's crazy. But uh-uh. I I totally agree. But I think I think we did really good on that that subject. We might we may revisit that again with 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 key situations. Um let's see so we can't touch on the independent woman thing at least not yet we got I'm, i want to get at least another woman on and maybe one guy um, okay that's fine i guess we can go with do you think it's possible to change people <laughs> no <laughs> it's <short and> simple, huh? <laughs> um 
um, you can want them to change, but at the end of the day, if they don't want to change for themselves, it's not going to happen. Like it's, it's just not going to happen. And it sucks. I mean, you can, you can give the reasons why you want this person to make this change, why you think it's important, why you think it's good for your relationship, but doesn't mean it's going to happen. It really doesn't. And it's, it's not going to happen if they do not want to do it on their own. And it becomes frustrating for the person who wants them to change. And it's like, it becomes a one-way ticket to resentment. So I don't think we as humans can change people. Um, they have to want to change for themselves. And it was a couple weeks ago on my Bible app. And there was a devotional about changing people. Oh, yeah, and it was just devotional. Yes. <laughs> they said it was about and, changing people. Yeah. And it was, and it was saying to think that someone can never change means that you think that, that there are things that God can't do. So can God change people? Absolutely. That's how I look at it. That's how I see it in my faith and my spirituality. But can we as humans change people? No. Nah, if they don't want to change, it's not happening. I'm going to go with, I think we can. I think we can change them indirectly. How? Like, we may not be able to change them when we want them to, but I think, let's just say, for example, I'm going to give you two examples. Let's just say someone sees me paying it forward. Let's say I go and they know that I give stuff to the people who, who are homeless or less fortunate. Um, and let's say it may spark them to do it. Like I'm in, I'm not forcing you to, I'm not asking you to, but indirectly by my actions and my behavior is sparking something in you. And maybe it's something that's already been in you. But I also think I'm gonna put this into a relationship perspective because I think that's where everybody is thinking I'm going with this or what what where this came from and yeah and no because it, it applies to different things, but I think in a relationship, you may not get them to change when you want them to, but something you were doing changed them. It had an effect on them and that, that provoked a change. And like like you like I always say, but I would hate to warm up the uh, the slot machine if somebody else hit the jackpot that somebody all these things you wanted them to do or you know whatever and then somebody else inherits all the good work and all the the blood sweat and tears you put into it and they just easily give it to somebody else because of something because of the work you did you know so i think people you can change people indirectly but i don't think you can just change them when you want them to if that makes any sense I mean, it does, but then it means that, again, they're changing when they want to. I, so, I mean, okay, <laughs> you, can set, you can set the example, but it's not going to go into motion until they're ready for it to go into motion. To go into motion. True. I guess, I guess you, you, well, you're right on that part for sure, that people change when they want to. But, but it's like, so, go I ahead. mean, I guess. Because I, I think most people if they want someone to change, they are looking for them to change for their benefit. So waiting to do it on their timeline, everyone doesn't have the time for that. And so who knows if they, like, they've probably left them alone by now to, yeah. like, 
who knows if they've changed. And I mean, that's like, that can be with relationships, that can be with friendships. Like if you have a friend who who's prejudiced or, you know, you can want them to change and then they're not changing and you're just like, okay, whatever, I'm leaving you alone. You're prejudiced. You know, I don't think they're going to circle back and check up on them years later and be like, hey, you still prejudiced? No, so, I mean, man. But I mean, I guess something like that can be for the greater good because if they're no longer prejudiced, they can treat people better, I don't know, hire them or give people opportunities. So, I mean, mm, I guess you're right. But yeah, you can lead by example and set the stage and set the example. But again, people are going to do it on their time. True. You're right. Both and both answers are right. By the way, I think it just depends on, like I said, people want what they want when they want it, and that's at the end of the day. I guess that that's what supersedes everything. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think you definitely can't change people when you want them to, and you know, for your benefit. Um, but I, I think you can, but just not when you want to. And so I think that's. Yeah. I think that was good. Um, but you saying to warm the slot machine up and someone else hit the jackpot. That was me and my ex. Like, <sighs> tell geez. me about it. Like, I've 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 been in relationships where I've wanted something for somebody so bad, or wanted something from them so bad, and then, you know, it either never came, or they did it someplace else, or they tried to, and it didn't necessarily work out the way that they thought it would. But I, I know how you feel when it comes to that. Like, that's a painful feeling. Very much painful so. feeling to watch, especially when it's something that 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 you wanted that they could have did but it's like why and it make you think like why not you exactly exactly and then the know, why not you is what is what's like killer yeah i think what i've learned like when that when i used to feel like that because now I, I don't necessarily feel like that anymore i'm pretty sure i can feel like that again but i think what i've learned is just that it's just timing. Like, I feel like sometimes it's just timing. Like, if I would have met this person at a different point in their life, maybe things would be different. You know, different things like that. Maybe we would have been a little bit more mature. Maybe I would have been a certain way, or maybe I would have been here. Maybe I wouldn't have met you at all if we if, if different things happened in our life. Like, the things, like, we're here because of the choices we made, the places, the choices our families made, you know, just different things. Like our life is totally random for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you just never know. Like you can, you can be one second away from a car accident. Like, oh, if I would have went out there and got on that plane, I would have been on that plane that crashed into the Gulf of Mexico or whatever or whatever. You, you just never really know. Like you're one step away from something. Do you remember... The guy, it was like, it had to be like 2010 or 11, and he was stabbing people. It, it like started like in the Northeast or maybe Michigan, and then he was like working his way down and he got caught at Hartsfield Jackson. Maybe. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, like you saying that, it's just like you never, our ability to not know what's happening when it's happening or that we miss things like just so again like you can be one second away from a car accident like stuff like that is so weird but that guy it was the very first hotel i ever worked at and it was strange like i remember they had released the composite sketch of him and i was working by myself and this guy came in 
and gave me his ID and was checking into a room and he paid in cash. And I kept on looking and he was like really shifty and like he kept on looking down and I was like, this looks like the guy, but I didn't say anything. Didn't just didn't say anything. And then the next I got off and when I was, when I switched shifts with, the morning guy, I was like, hey, this guy is staying in such and such. And he was a little off to me. Just wanted to let you know, but he paid in cash and he paid. He put some extra down for incidental. So he may come down for his refund, blah, blah, blah. And then I went home and then my coworker called me later on. He was like, yo, you know that that they caught the guy at Hartsfield? And he was like, and you said he looked like the guy. He was like, what if that was really him? And that, like, still haunts me to this oh, day. Man. Y'all didn't, like, do, like, a, a check and see what name was registered? I mean, uh, I, I think that someone who is stabbing people has a fake ID. Because the, yeah. the name definitely <laughs> didn't match. But it was just, like, so it didn't match. But, yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure he tried to cover his tracks a little bit. <laughs> At yeah. least. And it just, it's all, like... Yeah, and it just, it really makes me think about, like, the things that we just barely miss in life. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's it's so many things you just miss. The wrong place, right time, or right time, wrong place, different things. It's crazy how life works, man. It's crazy how life works. I do want to ask you a question. Um, since, since you have, since you did get your start in hotels, like, do hotels really care if, like, let's say... Let's say somebody else booked the room. Like, do they ever care, like, how many people you have in the room? It depends. Um, it depends. If you if you end up with, like, a noise complaint, yes, of course we care. Because we're like, what are you doing with 511 people in a room? Yeah. Um, the only time when... Because, I mean, technically there are supposed to be there are max occupancies for rooms. So of course that goes against fire code. Um, so if you're looking for like extra things in the room, like if you have a room with two beds, most places you can't get a rollaway bed in there. So that's why it's like, why would you book five people in a room with two beds? Cause where are all these people going to sleep? Because you lawfully cannot put a rollaway bed in that room in most hotel rooms unless of course like you have a suite um where it starts to where people will care like on a on a more basic level if you're doing a sales contract like if you're doing a block of group rooms through the sales office they're going to try and hold you to that and so we see that a lot when it's like church camps and things of that nature so you have like you know, you're getting all double, you're getting all double bedded rooms, but some of them are going to be like for kids. So you're sleeping four kids to a room. Um, but then you have some that are like counselors. So you're only sleeping two counselors to a room. Uh -huh. So when it gets into stuff like that, you'll get some sales managers who get to be sticklers about that type of stuff. And a lot of times when you're doing things like that, they're submitting a rooming list to you. And so you as the sales office, you will then make their reservations for them. So you have the physical control where you're seeing, oh, there are four people booked to this room. So you can charge them more for that because they are booking the room for four people. Because then they look at it as they're using additional towels, additional soap, all of that type of stuff. 
Um, so those are really the only times that they care. Um, but yeah, as long as you don't do, I mean, if you're just booking a single room by yourself, it's not, it's not going to be a big deal unless of course you're asking for a roll away and we can't put it in that room. Or if you have some type of complaint, that's when it's going to be an issue. Okay, because I've been, when I used to do, like, Wake Up Now in Nova, and we used to travel across the country, Some sometimes there would be, like, four or five of us in a room, like, two of us asleep in a bed, two to a bed, or in a big bed, however we could get in there, or we just kind of be up and fall asleep, and I always wondered, then, like, sometimes I always wonder, like, if, let's say you get a hotel, and then you got a guest, like, like how does that work, like, hey, I got somebody coming over for the night, or whatever, like, do they, do they, like, care? Like, do y'all keep a track? Like, do you, do do people remember the faces that came in? Like, hey, look, this person ain't checked in here. I ain't never seen this person. Like, does things like that ever happen, or? You remember some things. Um, and, again, it's just, it's about being smart. It's really about knowing the lay of the land. So, it's like some hotels, you don't need a key to get up the elevator. So, you can just tell whoever's coming, I'm in room 610. You can walk in, you go up to 610, and you knock on the door, and whoever is there lets you in. But, you know, if it's a situation where you need a key to get in the elevator, or a lot of hotels, they lock the front doors after a certain time. It's generally like 10 or 11, so you need a key to get in. So then you would have to either give them a key, or you would have to put their name on the room, because technically if you don't have a key to get in, and then when someone from the front desk lets you in, you should be coming to check in. Like that should be the only thing you're doing. You shouldn't be coming, like everything else is closed. You shouldn't be coming to use the bathroom or to go upstairs or anything like that. Like you should be, cause even if you're coming upstairs and if you're going to your room, okay, well, how are you gonna get in the room if you didn't have a key to get into the front door? Mm-hmm. So um, when you have stuff like that, we'll notice things like that. But again, just be smart. Like if you know that someone is is coming, then either leave a key for them, meet them and give them a key, put their name on the room, something. Like me, I stayed at Avalon last January and um, I had a mobile masseuse come over. And Avalon, you have to have a key to get up the floors. And so, you know, I knew his name and I called the desk and I let them know that he was coming. I gave their name. I was like, um, he can charge his valet to my room. That's fine. But I gave them specific instructions. Like someone has to let him up. Mm -hmm. Like do not release a key to his, to my room, to him, have someone at the front desk, let him up, let him up the elevator. Then he'll come and knock on my door. Cause I didn't want him having a key to my room. (laughs) that That didn't make any sense. And so it's like, it's things like that, that you have to think about. Um, and I know that I think about them a lot more because I've worked in it for so long, but, um, it's so many things we really don't care about as long as you keep quiet and and you don't do anything dumb and pay, do what you want, like seriously. But so many people just cannot just do this. They can't just do that. They literally cannot just come to a hotel room, have a good time, be respectful, pay their money, and check out. <laughs> and it's just like, why are you all making this so much harder for us? It really doesn't have to be like this. 
Interesting. And you know what you know where this came from? I have a friend. Um, she was telling me that like she travels a lot. She kinda I forgot what she works for. She do something big. But so she goes to hotels a lot. She was telling me that like sometimes since she gets ho- hotel discounts, like I don't know, like they may get like the W for thirty dollars a night instead of the one hundred and nine dollars a night that they get. And she was saying that like she would get hotels for like her significant other and just like she didn't necessarily have to beat her, but like let's just say he had to go do a meeting or something. Like she would get it, and then she'll use her discount, and then like I guess put him on the room. I guess I guess that's what you mm-hmm. do. And they they don't like ask any questions. I was I'd be surprised that they didn't. Hey, hey, you ain't this ain't your credit card, fool. What's going on? Um. So when it gets to credit card stuff, so when it cuts to employee travel and credit card stuff, that stuff does get they are bigger sticklers for it and they should be. Um, When it comes to employee travel, when I was, so Marriott, um, well, no, Marriott and Hilton, they had different rates. So they had rates for employee travel and employee travel is generally like, I know for Marriott, the employee's name had to be on the room and the the employee should have been staying there. and then I think that you can do an additional one for a spouse or a parent. And then you have friends and family rates, which is for your friends and family. And, um, but again, so there were stipulations about the employee rate. So you can only have like two at a time. Cause again, the employee has to be in the room or it can be for your spouse or a parent. I believe that's what the rule was, but you can only have two. You can have as many friends and family rates that you want at any given time. But again, you're still a representation of the company. Yeah. So you don't want people acting a damn fool staying on your rate. And so people will get to be sticklers about that. And again, they should be. It is a perk for the employee and for the people who the employee trusts. So they do, um, they are bigger sticklers on that. And then credit card stuff, you're supposed to be a stickler on the credit card stuff through and through. Like it doesn't matter what type of reservation it is. And one of the things that we would always get is reservations booked online because normally when you book a reservation online, when you're going like directly through Hilton, through Marriott, through IHG, you're just putting a credit card down to guarantee the room. Mm -hmm. You're not putting it down to pay. So when you come and they ask you for your ID and credit card, the ID and credit card need to match, or we can't just use whatever credit card you guaranteed it with. And that was a problem that a lot of people had. And I remember one time it was a couple and it was their honeymoon and they came in and they were like, oh no, use the credit card on file. And I was like, I'm sorry, we can't do that. <laughs> and they were like, oh, why not? Man. And I was like, because it was only to guarantee it. And they were like, well, we're on a honeymoon. And my mother-in-law is paying for us. And I was like, that's cute, but I'm sorry, no. Oh, man. <laughs> and then the mother-in-law, you know, they called the mother-in-law and, and she's like, well, what about when I pay through Expedia? And I was like, well, when you pay through Expedia, you are paying at that time. Like they're taking the money out of your account at that time. No money has been taken out of your account. I need to swipe a card that has a matching ID to pay now. And so I was like, there's a credit card authorization form that you can fill out. And when you do credit card authorization forms, you have to send over the front and back of the credit card and you have to fill out a form and you have to send your ID. 
Because presumably, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know who's faxing, faxing or emailing this to us, but presumably we hope that no one has stolen your entire wallet. And mm-hmm. so they have your ID and your credit card. Um, but yeah, so that was something that a lot of people would go back and forth with me about. And I remember the mother-in-law, not only did she give an Expedia example, she was like, well, what if I buy something on Amazon? I was like, oh, baby, this is not Amazon. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're comparing Amazon. apples and oranges. But like, you know, when she gave the Expedia, I was like, again, Expedia, you are paying them right then and there. You're not paying. You haven't paid anything. I don't know who you are on the other end of this phone. I don't know whose credit card this is. And I was just, it was like, I'm sorry, but it's my job. So that's one thing that all hotel agents are supposed to be vigilant about, no matter what type of reservation it is, whether it's a regular, regular one, whether it's, um, an employee, friends and family, if we're swiping a credit card, if it is not prepaid, then you are supposed to have a matching credit card and ID on hand. Interesting. Interesting. That was that was some good information. So, you know, hopefully people find that beneficial. And I have one. Oh, and let me, anyone who, if they, this is one of my huge pet peeves, and I implore anyone to fight back whenever this happens. No hotel employee should ever ask you for your room number or say your room number out loud. It is a privacy issue. If they need to look you up, you give them the name because someone can be following you and now they know your room number. And, you know, for your own personal safety, if they ask you again, you know, you, I want extra towels to my room. Don't say I'm in room 610. Give them your name because it is for your own privacy. Like I get into it with people all the time. When I stay to Avalon, the first room that she gave me when I checked in, she handed me my key packet and you said you're, and she said you're in room 712. But I said, no, I'm not. You're not supposed to say my room number out loud. So please assign me to another room and hand me the key packet and I will read the room number when you hand it to me. <laughs> like, it's very, like, and people will, will push back on you and it, it's not right. It's a huge privacy issue. And then I always bring up um, the Aaron Andrews case. And when people continue to give me issues, I'm like, you know that the hotel agent in the Aaron, in the Aaron Andrews case was held personally liable for what happened. So if you want to get sued personally, continue <laughs> to try me. So, that yeah. is crazy. You got it all figured out. Uh, <laughs> that is crazy. Um, I got one more topic for you. Um, this is something that happens because this comes from my field of work, which is healthcare. Um, I, I, we always get a lot of kids who are adopted or in foster care, and it just kind of made me think. And it's something I thought about before, but I never. I just thought, hey, a kid needs a family. Someone needs a kid. Someone wants a kid. Well, why not? But how do you, like, do you think when kids are being adopted or placed into foster care that they should be kept within their race? Or is it okay to, you know, just kind of put them whoever wants what kid? And you see, this is so, again, as someone who has no kids, was not in that system, a part of me is like, you know, these kids deserve a home. So put them wherever there's going to be a loving home 
but there are also things that that just love itself can't handle and you have to be willing to learn those things you should be willing to learn those things like what you know you have a a black child who goes into a white home how do you tell them about racism how do you tell them about how to act if the police stop them how do you tell them about these these things that shape what blackness is the black experience you have no you know your only point of reference is other people's experiences and you may not be even that entrenched in other people's experiences that really may not be something that these people have worried about because they don't have to worry about it and it's like i always doing these little kids hair like oh my gosh like if you if you don't want to if you don't know how if you're not willing to learn how to do black hair leave black babies alone leave like please <laughs> like it's it's like it's a rock and a hard place it's like well do you let them go stay with a white person and they just got their hair looking crazy or do they stay in foster care do they stay in a system somewhere you know, without a loving home. So it's really between a rock and a hard place. But I mean, I do think that you have to, I think staying within the race, ideally, like on paper, that seems like the better thing to do. But then, I mean, you still see stories of foster parents like abusing their children for whatever reason, because they're just evil people. Like that's just who and what they are. And it's like, oh, well, what if they would have gone to a different a different family it's a different culture where this had happened so it's really it's it's a dice roll but i think that there has to be some type of better system there needs to be i think foster care should maybe have some type of cultural and diversity education training that you need to go through when you adopting these kids yeah. or when you're taking in these kids like you just we we appreciate you wanting to open your home and to adopt children or to foster children, what have you. But we, we need to help them along with dealing with not only things that are culturally, but helping you along with taking in a child who was in the system. Like, I'm pretty sure they have trauma. I'm pretty sure they have emotional, emotional baggage and things that they have to work through. And I think that people just aren't prepared to take on things like that on top of possibly taking on a child who's of a different race, culture, or background. I agree. And like where I work for whatever reason, I'm not quite sure why, but we see a lot of white families adopting Asian kids. And I always wonder like, how does that kid feel? They probably don't know any better or know, know the difference or like like are they gonna miss out on some of their cultural experience or learning about where their where their roots are from like yeah they may not know their parents or their you know their family but what about like some of their their country's traditions or foods or like do you miss out on that and always what 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 gets me the most is like when i see like white families with black kids because i was like like some of the things you said how do you teach them about this like do you like, like, how do you navigate that, just the black experience or just like 
just growing up a certain way or making sure they have certain cultural things or like is it is it to the kids detriment or is it to the kids benefit because like like you said all kids need a family you know if a family is 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 qualified or, or suitable for a kid like should they be pla- they, they, they should be placed with any family but are there things like when you go through this election process like race or or economic background or financial type of things like do those things factor and i don't i need to talk to somebody i think i'm gonna end up asking this question to somebody i know that is a foster parent or that deals with that and just kind of get more information on like what criteria do you have to meet besides being able to take care of a kid and being a good person like do are these things something that they think about like that's something right. that I've always, you know, just kind of ponder. Like, like what's it like when you go to school and you learn about civil rights and stuff like that? And you're a black kid and your family's white. Like, they may not be racist, or you know, not anymore. Or, or they like, how do you navigate that? Like, that's just something I've always thought about. Like, should they? Or like, you know, like like you said, the hair thing, or like just food, or just just certain traditions. Like, do these things matter in the long run, or do kids come out different? or fare better when they're with people outside of the race. Cause I've seen like Hispanic people with black kids or white kids or whatever. I've seen it all kind of combinations, but what I seem to be finding the most just in my experience in healthcare is usually white families with Asian babies. And I always just wonder like, like why? And then, then they tend to either be babies that have a little bit of a deformity like cleft lips or cleft palates i don't know why but that's just kind of what i see there was an instagram couple that was like known for i think they had um i think they adopted a child that had some type of that had some type of disability and it was like when they first adopted the child the, the kid was all over their Instagram and it like slowly um, the kid just disappeared. I don't, I, oh. and there was a controversy behind it. And it was like, cause it really came off as they were using the child for influence and for likes. And it's like, you know, you saying that you often see um, white couples adopting children with like cleft palates and things of that nature that's what made me think of it. And it was like, there are some people who really just like get, you know, adopt children for these performative reasons. Even that, that picture of the little black boy, like crying and hugging the cop and he had on the little fedora and then his adopted family drove them into a lake. And I'm just like, people are sick. Yeah. People are sick. And it's like, you, you want to, you want to get these kids into homes, but then it's like, you also want to have, you want to get them into the best home. And then you're like, well, there should be a more, a stricter process. And then there should be, you know, education about if your child has some type of disability or emotional trauma or just cultural things. It's just like so many things wrong with the system, but it's like, you don't want to punish the children and not get them into homes because we have so many issues and we can't get our stuff together. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna dig more into that, but that was just something that you know that just kind of crossed my mind, and just just like how and why, you know. And then sometimes I do see kids who are like with like within their race. I'm like, do do is that something that they ask for, or do people just like give me a kid, 
or like does it go to like the not I hate to say this but the highest bidder or or whatever like I just don't know but being in healthcare you see that like out in the world I don't see it as much but when you're in a place where it's like condensed it's like specialized and funnelized and, and you know it's like a bottleneck like mm-hmm. that's just kind of what it is so it's just something that just kind of crossed my mind and I just was wondering like like how does that work and you know like you know like what should we do like do we want you know do is culture something that's valued to others so i don't i don't think i mean if culture that when you say i i can't speak for all others um other people's cultural value to white people historically no i don't think so because they Mm -hmm. make a point to erase other people's culture that's what colonialism and imperialism was all about and so that's why it's like i don't it it does it doesn't sit well with me i know it's not all white people and again some of it is just out of pure ignorance but i just feel like if you want to be if you want to give a child the best home then you should like you should just intuitively want to be able to expose them to their culture that's what I would think. Like, you know, if you're if you're applying for a job, you want to find out about the company, do you not? Like, yeah. so why do you not want to find out about where this child, you know, what's customary for this child? I just, I don't, I don't get it. But then again, so many white people think that they're superior to everything. So then again, why would they care about learning about anyone else's culture or way of life? Because they think that, Europeans invented everything anyways. So Yeah, true. But oh okay, couple who documented on popular YouTube channel their life was wait, a couple who documented on a popular YouTube channel their life with an autistic toddler adopted from China are facing backlash after they revealed he had been placed with another family. The couple said unspecified behavioral issues from Huxley had made life too difficult for the family, which includes four other children. So again, like, you know, an autistic child, I would, I don't think that people should just be like, why are you just adopting an autistic child? And then like, what, 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 what work did the parents do to know how to deal with an autistic child, to socialize an autistic child? I mean, at the end of the day, if someone gives birth to an autistic child, you don't know your child is going to be autistic. Yeah. So it's like, but I feel that I would hope that people, this is your child that literally came out of your womb. You carried them. So I just feel like there's a natural inclination to want to figure it out more. So if this is your child that you and your partner had instead of like, so instead of a child that you adopted, if you're going to adopt the child, like I, I would hope that you plan on caring for this child as if it was your own. It came out. I mean, it is your own, but as if the child came out of your womb or, you produce the sperm you gave the egg what have you but like there it just how much do you really try when you have an autistic child to figure out how to deal with to deal with this and how to socialize this child with your other four children and things of that nature but again it does look bad when you have a child and you're an influencer family and then you have them all on your instagram and then the child just suddenly disappears 
mm-hmm. and you don't admit anything until the public is like, well, what happened to your, what happened to Huxley? And then it's finally like, okay, you reluctantly tell people again, it's, it's secrecy. And that, that makes people that raises an eyebrow. If people have to ask you what happened to someone who, who you, who, you know, you were so vocal about the child before and the child just disappeared with no type of explanation. True. True. That's interesting. I think as time goes on, we're going to learn a little bit more about this. We probably, we probably will revisit this after I get more information on it, but we'll see. I think, I think this was good though. I think these were some good topics. We didn't get to them all as usual, but they were some good topics. (laughs) But I'm def- we definitely got to get to this independent woman thing for sure. We got to get to that at some point. <laughs> oh, yes, we do. I agree. We will. I'm, I'm, I'm going to set that up really nice. And um, I actually would like to play some music. And I think I may have found a workaround because I, I haven't been taken down. Because I, I like playing the, um, the, 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 the songs of the weeks or like the songs, new, you know, brand new old music or whatever. I like to do that. But I do have a song. Well, it's uh, what's the name of this song? Let me open up my phone real quick. Um, it's this song by this girl named Tempest, and it's sorry. Okay. It's called "Sorry to Say." It's really good. I must. I might. I might try to put it in the audio, um, in post production. But I, I, I know I need to talk over it for sure. But she's not on a big major label, so I think it's easier to do the songs when they're not on big major labels. I think that's where I was getting in trouble at. Yeah, I can imagine. So my song is going to be that. It's Tempest, Sorry to Say. It's a pretty cool, it's a little it's a cool little bop. Okay. Mm. Let's see. What else I got here? But yeah, but what, um, well, what uh, what song do you have? So I actually have two, okay. and they're old. But so one of them, it was inspired from a trip to the nail shop, and it made me think about the conversation that I said that we should have on here about music videos. Okay. Um. So if we get to that, I'll explain the whole story behind it. But it's SZA, Drew Barrymore. Okay, I think I remember that one. And. The other one, it came from, I was, again, catching up on all the old podcasts, and you all were talking about Travis. You are talking heavily about, like, rappers <laughs> um, and, like, all the littles and how you don't like any of the littles and just the evolution of hip-hop music. <laughs> and you all were talking about Travis Scott. I love and it Travis. Was that, like, rodeo, he, he has yet to do something to top rodeo. And I agree and oh, yeah. it made me revisit it. And one of my favorite songs off of Rodeo was 3500. 3500. So, let me go back and play that one. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me see. And you know what's funny? For the past two or three weeks, I've been just playing nothing but that album. I've been just playing like certain songs back to back to back to back to back. And I know they took it off Apple Music, like the ones that I did have. So I had to go find it on SoundCloud. But let me go find the one you're talking about. You said it was what called, called what again? 3500. And like, Oh my god, when did that when did Rodeo come out? Because so back when Rihanna was making music, mm-hmm. <laughs> um she um, she went on the anti tour and Travis Scott was opening up for her. And 
2010? His crew was staying at my hotel at the time. Like, Travis was staying across the street, and his crew, they were having a credit card problem because they did not have a credit card, the physical credit card, trying to check in. And I will never forget this story. And they were there for so long. And I was going to the concert, and I was like, look, I'm going to get off help you all like i'm a go so like i tried to help them for as long as i could but i was like i have a hard out of work today like other days i would stay behind i would try and help but i, was like, I have a concert to get to so hopefully you guys can get this worked out hopefully i'll see you all on stage but i'm leave. but you can't use that credit card mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah fun time but uh, you know what? I was thinking about days before rodeo is what I've been playing. But I do love rodeo, and thirty five hundred was that jam, man. I had my car like like beating like heavy. Yes. But I think my favorite song off that album is either "Spit on Your Grave." <laughs> I love oh that God. one. That that song that song is just crazy how it come on. I love that one. Or I know I liked. Uh, 3500 was good and it's one more and I like I think it was Antidote. I think I just really liked that a lot. That, no. I mean, Antidote was the lead single and like everyone just loved it. I mean, I think it's good but I just feel like there were so many other good songs there. 90210. Oh, yeah. 90210 was good. And Pray for good. Love is another one. Like Pray and for I used love to is love great. Yes. And like I used to love Wale's 90210 and then like yeah. Travis Scott came out with the 90- I was like, "Yo, this blows Wale out of the water." <laughs> Yeah, man. I think Nightcrawler was good too. It is. Yes, it was. Nightcrawler yes. is good. I love Nightcrawler. Like that whole album was great. <laughs> it really is, and I really, I just don't feel that he's topped it. And then I saw a tweet the other day that he said he's coming out with new music and it's a new sound. And I'm all for artists evolving, so I'm excited to see. But um, I I think like just album wise i he hasn't topped rodeo but i do see like his development like i went to the um the sicko mode tour and like you know he was the headliner for that versus watching him open for rihanna auntie and like his the production level was so different and it was it was amusing and it was entertaining to see it so seeing him evolve in that way was exciting um from a performance standpoint but like lyrically and musically Rodeo is where it where it's at for me. Yeah, you know I'm about to play. I'm about to play one of my favorite all time favorite Travis Scott songs. And I think this person, the person that got me into Travis Scott, was either this girl named Ebony or my one one of my youngest sisters, Olivia. I'm not sure if she listens, but like I, I had met Olivia when she was 15, and like I think she I think when she went to Kennesaw State, I think she played me a Travis Scott. I forgot, but it was either one of the two of them. They kind of got me into Travis Scott, and it was around like 2013, 2012, somewhere in there. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna put that in here. I might even play it because I don't think that's when he was on the label. I think I can get away with that one. But yeah, I th- and another thing, I do think Astro World was really good too. It's just not Rodeo. It's just not. Yeah, absolutely. Astro World was good, but you can tell that like he he's going places. But I think he just got a. A unique sound like he's he's around all the lils but he's just he's just different he makes music i can listen to it's not super lyrical but i like it yeah so i don't know he found he found a good little 
middle ground for yeah. himself instead of like what the littles do, but he's not like bar contender like J. Cole and Kendrick. Like yeah. he he found a nice little lane for himself. He, he he has a flow, and I think that's what it is. He just got a nice flow. And he got yeah. a nice voice and then the beats don't 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 make it any better. Like the beats are crazy and most of the times. Yes. I think that's what it is, but that's how they got me, man. I think the first song I ever heard was Mama Sita by uh from him. And I Ooh, wanna say yes. I wanna say Ebony did put me on put me on that one. So I think that's what it was. That was my that was my jam. And then Apple Music took it out my phone, so I don't have it anymore. But I think when they Wait, what? That, yeah, like yeah, I they had. They took it off. Yeah, no, it's still on it. Well, I know you can't oh. play it, but like it was oh, in my gosh. phone, but it wasn't a part of the the days before rodeo um, rodeo album. Um, okay. Because I think that was like his first. I don't know if that was like a mixtape or what, but they took it off, and I had to get it, and it was like a whole different album cover. It wasn't the one where he was like standing on like a not not standing on the car, but what what is on that? I, mean, I think he's standing on something from, and he's looking. You know, you can see the back of him, but it's called Days Before Rodeo. But, um, yeah, they. Uh, I think it's they like took his that off. just. You can't see what he's standing on, but you see like he's standing on something. Yeah, so it, it is weird. But I know I had to go find it. But I know I can find it on SoundCloud and YouTube. So I was mad when they took that because I had like this playlist I had curated for just when I'm in my car. But a lot of the songs that was on there are now gone. Like they take they take stuff off. Like even from one of Kendrick's albums, it's like not that. a play, not available in America. I'm just like, man, put my shit back. I paid for this. Like, come on. Yeah, I literally hate that about streaming. It's like, while it's convenient, it's yeah, that part sucks. It does, it does. But we're gonna we have to go. We're gonna have to have a Travis Scott segment <laughs> one day. <laughs> I love Travis Scott, man. Like he's good. He's a hit. That boy good. He talented. But anyway, we're gonna go ahead and close. We're at an hour and forty five. Surprisingly, time flew by. Um, I know. I gotta, I gotta get dinner going. Gotta get ready for work. Gotta go get my my treat. I was treating myself to something tasty tonight. Um, it's okay. Ins- I can't say what it is out loud, but it's insomnia cookies. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was gonna be ice cream. Oh uh, no, nah, I wish, man. You know, I kind of wanted some. I start, I thought I started to get some, but I'm gonna go tonight. It's not too far from where I live, so I'm gonna go. Let's see how that goes, but. I would like to wish you a good night and a, a, a good Thank evening. You. And um, and to all the listeners out there, good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you are. There's always tea time someplace. It's 5 o'clock someplace, <laughs> too. So, uh, you know, that's where we're going to leave it. And remember to treat people nice. And, like, don't always believe the lies because they're more entertaining. Sometimes you need to do your own due diligence and investigate on your own and go to the source instead of just letting, you know, negativity run amok. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. But we gonna we gonna get back on this. Thing. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make sure I stay pretty consistent. My life has been crazy, but I'm going to keep at it because I feel like this is my only avenue to get my thoughts out and for other people to get their thoughts out. So why not? Yes, we appreciate it. Well, good. I'm glad you appreciate it. We're gonna, this this is probably gonna be a good episode. I, I predict high numbers off of this. Good. I do. Wait, do you still look at like where people listen from? I do. Oh, okay. I do. 
Um, I haven't checked on my Apple or my Spotify or some of the other venues, but I always check the SoundCloud because that's where I have to load it up to because that's where my RSS feed is. So I always see those, but the number the numbers aren't bad. I will say that. Numbers Good. Aren't bad. But one day when I start making money, I'm going to get all the people who stuck by and who's been on the show and try to get us all some money. That's my goal. Oh, that's so fun. Paying it forward. Yeah, you got to. And it's funny because I, I know a lot of people that start podcasts and they quit. Like, I think it's because they think it's going to be quick money. But, like, there's not a lot of money in pot. Well, there's a lot of money, but there's not a lot of money for the independent person. Like, if you're a celebrity, yeah. But the only really way you can get money is just by getting your numbers up and then somebody coming and looking to do ad space. Or you figure out a creative way to generate income for your podcast. And I, I'm working on some things, but I'm going to get there. Good, and it's going to be successful. I'm claiming it for you. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I, I, I plan on doing this for the rest of my life. This or either music or trading or both. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I, might, I might put out a song or two, too. I've been writing down some songs. <laughs> so Ooh. I might put that out. It's going to be some good stuff. I've been figuring out because I, I got the setup. I just need to take the beats and chop it up and do what I need to do, but it's going to be good. I ain't going to tell nobody who it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> That should be your thing for everything you do. Just be yep. anonymous. Be anonymous. You just like it. You know, that's what it is. I ain't doing no concert. If I'm doing a concert, you're going to never see my face. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Oh, my gosh. You could be like a new MF Doom. Yeah, I could be like the new MF Doom. Or I can be like her. Didn't nobody know who she was or what she yes, looked like. Yes, that's punk. Yeah, man. What about know who I am? Or dead mouse. <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> but I'm going to figure it out, though. I'm going to figure it out. But... Yeah, guys, y'all take care. Y'all be safe out there. Be nice to each other. And, you know, just, yeah, just be good people. <laughs> yeah. Live life. Have fun. Live life. Have fun. You only live once. So if you got a grudge you're holding against somebody, you might want to call that person, settle it, because you never know when it's that time to go. And then you can't you can't get back the words you never said, man. So think Very about it. Very true. Wise words. Try to give out wise words at the end. This is the inspirational vitamin. <laughs> what, what was that? Uh, that was Frank Ski. <laughs> this morning, yes. the inspirational vitamin. But then I put on my <laughs> quiet storm voice and then we go from there. <laughs> and that's kind of how it sounds. But anyway, I'm going to let you get to it because I got to get to it too. But we will definitely be back when we can. Yes. See you guys. Bye. Bye. I'll hit you later. Okay. All right. Have a good one. You too. Uh, show me your salmon when you're done. Oh, I will. And yeah, and thanks, thanks for your time and um, you know, for joining the show. And I will, I'll send you a picture. Absolutely. And thank you for inviting me back. All right, you are more than welcome. Okay, have a good one. <laughs> All right, you too. See ya. And we out. Oh, they shouldn't.